This is the Crypto Shakes. Are you new to crypto? Then you're in the right place. This is the leading podcast in Dubai and the UAE, where you, regardless of your skill level, will learn everything from cryptocurrencies to blockchain technologies. This is the place where you'll be going from a crypto beginner to a crypto shake or shaker. Welcome to the Crypto Shakes podcast, episode numero tres. Tres puntos. <laughs> this is the Crypto Shakes coming straight out of Dubai. We're going to talk today about why you should invest in Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency for that matter. Oh, yeah. And why it's important to think about it right now. Yeah. So today's topic is going to talk about the financial aspects of, of why it's so important to think about adding crypto to your portfolio, portfolio if you have an investment portfolio. And if you don't, if you're just holding money in your bank account, why it's not a clever idea to do so. 100%. And I think the second part is also political. Like why, you know, there's the financial why. And there's also like, you know, for some people, the philosophy behind why, right? And we're going we're gonna to break those two down kind of simply for you guys. Let's talk about this. I mean, what's interesting is that you and me have both been in the kind of antithesis to Bitcoin, which is gold, you yeah. know? And we were in gold before we got into kind of Bitcoin. And a lot of people think of Bitcoin as this hedge to inflation, Right. And that's exactly what gold was and is supposed to be right now. Right. Yeah. So basically what that, that means in very simple terms is that when there's inflation in the country. So when there is a huge supply of money and money loses its value, prices usually go up. So whatever, for example, one dollar would buy you today in a situation. For example, if, if an ice cream would cost you one dollar today, in a situation where there's inflation, maybe that same ice cream would cost $5. 100%. Yeah. So just to break it down. I mean, and I have a good story with this because my dad, he, he told me back when he was my age now, when he was 29, 30, he had managed to save up at that point in time, it was 1990, about $100,000, okay? And that was a lot of money for him mm -hmm. back then, right? But what I did was I, I looked at that and kind of understood, you know, what is that $100,000 going to be worth had he just kept it underneath his bed for all those years until now, mm -hmm. right? And you can actually do this on, on a website. I think it's called US dollar. We'll put it, from, in, the some, we'll put it in, the, in the notes. But if you look at that, it's an incredible graph. That 100 k if he had not done anything with it, it would be worth about $46,000 today. <laughs> yeah, so half. 30 years. Half okay? of the value. So over 30 years, it's lost 50% of its value. Mm. And why? Why is that? It's a matter of supply and demand. Correct, right? Over that time period, what the U.S. has been doing, the U.S. dollar is a fiat. What that means is it's a government currency, right? It's not backed by anything. And the U.S. can print that money Without any consequences, yeah. right? Without any consequences at all. Literally press a button like this. Yeah, one. and it just goes, brr, 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 brr. <laughs> it goes like that. <laughs> and then they like shoot out the money. <laughs> it's like a machine gun. Yeah, exactly. You know? And you know, this is really interesting because let's go back to the gold thing. Maybe a lot, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, the US dollar used to be backed by gold. Correct. And that's where the whole concept of gold being a, a sort of store of value kind of comes from. You know, before we had paper, 
you know, people transacted, you know, if we go back hundreds and thousands of years back, through coins, right? Coins and gold and silver, exactly. right? Yeah. And the U.S. until about 1971, they wanted to ensure that the money supply would have value by backing it mm-hmm. to gold, right? But what happened in 1971 was, you know, President Nixon at the time, you know, he was facing some troubles with Vietnam. You know, he had to take it off, break the peg. Mm-hmm. And so now he was able to print that currency easy, right? Mm-hmm. What have we seen now with that, you know, 30 years down the line, 20, you know, going to 2009, now 20, 2020, we've actually seen that policy go out of whack. Mm-hmm. You know, people with this coronavirus crisis now, the solution in, for many governments is there's not enough liquidity in the markets. And the only way to save the markets is by printing that money and putting it straight into the asset markets. Yeah, so that's what happened 2008. You know, they took out the machine gun and started printing money to save companies, the banks, from going bankrupt. So that comes right back into Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was actually created... In 2009, as a response to the financial crisis. Correct. So we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about, in our further episodes, how inflation works in more detail. Not going to go into depth on it today. We're going to talk about why it's really important that you have a hedge whether it's gold or whether it's Bitcoin or anything else, why are you hedging yourself against your money losing value? So, Anas, uh, right now, what would be the reasons why someone would buy Bitcoin? So, what's interesting is I recently saw this analysis put straight up, but Bitcoin is capped at 21 million, right? It's capped by design, Mm -hmm. right? The whole reason it's been created this way is it's sort of, in comparison to the US dollar, which isn't capped. And we know through supply and demand that anything that is limited in supply, if there's a lot of people buying that, it naturally has to appreciate in value. Yeah. Think about a nice old... Wine. Well, I was going to... Okay, I don't know about... <laughs> or an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I was going to say an Aston Martin. Yeah. A beautiful Aston Martin from sometime in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, there are probably not a lot of them out there, right? They're a bit of a collection kind of thing to get. So to get your hands on a good one, mm-hmm. it's gonna, probably going to cost you quite a bit. Correct. And that's because it's limited in supply. Or a painting. A painting has a similar kind of concept there, right? And a Picasso painting. Why is it worth several million dollars? Or an NFT painting. Well, (laughs) we'll go into NFTs in in a subsequent episode. But Bitcoin has those properties, Mm. you know, because it's limited in supply and because more people now are realizing that their currency, the US dollar, is not worth the print on that paper. It's effectively toilet paper to some. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if... It's actually worth something today. The rate at which they're printing. So this year, I think they printed like $5 trillion to add that to the balance sheet. A lot of people don't know this, but it's 25% of all US dollars in existence were printed in the last 12 months. It's crazy. Just think about that statistic for a second. It is crazy. <laughs> and, and eventually that's oversupply of money is going to catch up with the value of the dollar. And some people are saying that the dollar is going to crash. Absolutely right. So what does that mean for you as an... As a person interested in in crypto and Bitcoin? The the thing is, even if Bitcoin is overvalued to some right now, it's going to probably increase in value. And the reason why is because compared to dollars, because dollar is going to lose its value and Bitcoin is priced in dollars, it's going to go up. 
So it's a very simple supply versus demand equation, and so will every other asset. But why we believe, me and you, that Bitcoin might appreciate more than other assets is because a lot of the money that people are holding right now in fiat and other assets, they're going to move it to cryptocurrencies because there is a there is a change in the financial markets. There's a change in where people want to hold their cash. I think it's, this is a really good point because it actually touches on, going back to the gold point, transportability, mm. right? In the past, people were worried about inflation. For example, in the 70s, they just bought gold, right? But to hold gold isn't easy. Like you and me, we've done this. You know, you have to get a safe. <laughs> uh, you have to, okay, if you don't want a safe, you can give it to your banker to hold for you. But you, can you trust the banker with your gold? I mean, to be honest, I was holding uh, a few gold bars back in 2012, 13. And I had to find a vault, which, which, which I didn't really trust. But Singapore <laughs> is a good legislation. They're pretty safe. I mean, people don't usually commit crimes in Singapore because they get their heads cut off. <laughs> no, but it's a very safe country. So that's why I decided to keep it in Singapore. I mean, it was between Singapore and Switzerland. But for some reason, I chose that. So it was a process. It was a pretty complicated process. And if I had, you know, millions and millions and billions of dollars, in order for me to hold that in gold, or if I would want to invest in gold, it's a pretty complex thing to do because you have to transport it. You cannot just take it out whenever you want and send it across the world. No, and that's it's a, not that, easy. That's a problem that crypto and Bitcoin solves, the transportability. I mean, yeah. So you, you and me, we've got, you know, we talked about wallets in our last episode. One thing that maybe we didn't touch on was that some of these wallets, they don't have to be on your phone. They can be a kind of hard drive. It's like a USB. A USB. And it's quite shocking when people find out that this small little USB can hold millions or even billions <laughs> of dollars. Basically, everyone is becoming their own bank. Correct. This is actually the other thing. With gold, it's difficult to spend that gold mm. easily. If I have my gold in my safe and I want to buy something from you, let's say I want to, you've got that nice Aston Martin, which yeah, I would love I don't, to buy. I don't want your gold. Keep your gold for yourself. <laughs> you know, think about, okay, I could buy that with dollars if I wanted, but I have to sell the gold Correct. into dollars. Yeah. It's, it's a complex kind of transaction. But with Bitcoin, you've got that in your ledger. Mm -hmm. There's no bank who needs to get in between us to sort of be the middleman. Yeah. I can instantly send you that Bitcoin. Mm. And we can exchange goods in a purely peer-to-peer -peer fashion without any issues. Yeah, and I will see it on my on my phone straight away. Boom, money's in the account, cash. That's a very, very big advantage yeah. compared to gold. And the thing is also that, we didn't mention this, but gold is always and has always been seen as a hedge against inflation. So that's why we invested in gold back when we did. And that's why you're still invested into gold. Because whether it's gold or whether it's crypto, it both works to a certain extent, yeah. To a we're, certain extent. We're, we're not saying gold is bad. I think gold is definitely an important part of any person's portfolio. But it's just interesting to see, and this is the argument that many crypto people say, is that Bitcoin is eating the market cap mm. for gold. That the people who normally bought gold are now selling some of that gold for Bitcoin because it's easier for them to store, it's easier for them to buy, it's easier for them to keep it safe. Some people are comparing Bitcoin with gold and saying that it's the gold 2.0. Well, yeah. It's the new digital gold. This is what they call it, digital gold, right? Digital gold, it's a store of value. So that's a, you know, a really canter through. Mm -hmm. Oh, one last point about on the financial bit. 
and this is something I, I discovered recently, but I recently saw a couple of graphs that graphed the money supply. Mm-hmm. So this, these are published by the Federal Reserve on their website. But I saw this graph between the Bitcoin price modeled against the amount of money being printed. And what you would, you could see was that gold actually moves with the money supply. It's incredible. It's an mm. incredible graph. And I recently sort of attended a, a webinar on this where some people are making the argument that it's like a suction cup that's just sucking up all the money around the world that has been printed mm. and boosting that price up. Yeah. So there's that. I think the other thing we should also talk about with, with Bitcoin is this 21 million Bitcoin kind of there's, you know, a, cap there's, yeah, there's a cap of 21 million. So, so tell us about that. So that cap is interesting because it's not, it's not actually that all, all 21 million bitcoins are in issue right now, right? Yeah, exactly. They're, They're not all available on the market. Exactly. So the reason why, oh, we actually didn't talk about this, but you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the so-called founder of Bitcoin, who nobody knows who he is it's or a, what kind of organization he belongs to. It's a, it's a pseudonym, right? And I think I understand why. You know, you don't want to be the founder of Bitcoin and have a, a target on your head wherever you are. <laughs> but I think what he did was quite interesting that he didn't create this currency to be all issued in one shot, right? Mm. The 21 million. Because that would be oversupply in a market that maybe didn't have the right demand. So he designed this in a way where that supply would come through, through miners, right? And the miners do this on the blockchain. And we've talked about, we haven't touched on this, but the way the blockchain works with mining is that in order to keep the, the Bitcoin blockchain secure, we have a system where the, the miners solve a complex mathematical equation. Yeah. And it's kind of like a lottery ticket. And depending on whether you have enough computing power, mm-hmm. you get rewarded in Bitcoin. And we will discuss... We'll go in depth on this in a separate episode. Yeah, we will discuss how complex. How, yeah, but blockchain is not always very easy to explain, and people don't always yeah. get it. So we will try to explain it in a separate session where we talk all about blockchain. But it's important. That we, I want to highlight this one point, which is every day there is a little bit of Bitcoin coming mm. onto the market, being sold by miners. And the interesting part here, though, is that every four years you have something called a halving which is the supply of Bitcoin going onto the market mm-hmm. is reduced. By 50%. By 50%, yeah. This is done by design because that means that every four years it becomes harder to buy Bitcoin Mm -hmm. because the miners have to work harder to get the same amount of Bitcoin that they would have had four years ago. Mm -hmm. So let's say now they can mine 10 Bitcoin, but four years from now, the same amount of mining only gives them five Bitcoin. What does that do to the price? Increases the price. Supply goes down or reduces, demand hopefully goes up, and automatically it's going to explode. So that's what we're seeing happening in the markets. I mean, now institutional investors, which means banks and financial institutions, are moving into the crypto market investing, which is leading to an increase in price. So that's one thing. And I mean, uh, the second thing is that why they should invest in it from a political standpoint is that well, the reason why I'm invested in Yeah, let's in, hear your story. The reason why I'm invested into cryptocurrency is because I don't I don't think that the dollar is going to be the, the world currency for the rest of the time. I do believe that new technologies are going to replace old technologies. So we're moving away towards a new world in the financial markets where, where we're going to become more digitalized and that's going to involve 
cryptocurrencies, whether the banks want it or not, whether the governments want it or not, like this is Pandora's box opening up and they can't do anything about it to stop it. So what we're going to see is that the adoption of currencies is going to increase and there's going to be a lot of new use cases for cryptocurrencies. You're going to be able, to, you can right now, there's, there's something called DeFi, which we're going to talk more about, uh, where you can lend out your cryptocurrency and earn Absolutely. money on it. Yeah. So it's not just holding the currency. You can actually make monthly returns. This is a really critical point. And that is going back to this political one. You know, we used to live in this world where we all were beholden to the banks, right? The only way we could survive was by having a bank, right? And for many people in this world, they're unbanked. Yeah. People don't realize this. People in Africa, a lot of them are, don't have bank there accounts. There are millions of people who don't have bank accounts. And the reason why they don't have bank accounts is because they can't satisfy maybe the bank's KYC. Yeah. They can't satisfy certain requirements. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are looking to solve this, I would argue, a multi-trillion dollar problem mm -hmm. of underservice by banks, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is a lot of people who, like you and me, are in this space, we don't feel comfortable. We don't trust the bank. So this happened to me recently. I had a transaction which I sent to abroad. It was within Europe, actually. And the bank kind of came back to me. Well, the other party didn't receive the money, okay? And I asked my bank, hey, where did this money go? And the bank sort of said, well, we don't know. And I was like, well, what do you mean you don't know? I sent this money very clearly. You know, you should, don't you have this on a ledger somewhere? And I'm thinking like a blockchain, <laughs> you know, it's public. No, it's not public though. That's the thing. Banks, you know, banks are centralized. Banks don't disclose where your money is going or you can't track your money online. It took me several weeks to finally track down what happened. The bank had made a mistake mm -hmm. in moving that money. Same thing happened to me right now, right now. As we speak, two months ago, I transferred money to Kraken to my exchange to buy some Bitcoins. And still, I was following up with Kraken and they, they, they did everything to track down the payment. They, they said, actually, the money never reached us. You need to check with your bank. So now I've been in talks with the banks for almost a week and they are trying to track down what happened to my money. And still... I haven't got an answer back. But if this would have been in, in on the blockchain, I would have been able to track it down straight away. So that's why I don't trust banks. And in many countries, people don't trust banks at all because the banks are linked to the government and they can just close your account, exactly. take your freeze money, your freeze your accounts, freeze your holdings. So more and more people are losing trust in the banks and want to take control over their money themselves. Exactly. Precisely that. You know. So my experience with this Recently, I, tr I sent money to an exchange using a cryptocurrency like XRP, which I discussed before, and they didn't receive it. And this is, this is where I can show you a quick solution to this. I immediately was able to go on that XRP ledger, find the transaction by the date that I made that transaction, because it's all public, mm -hmm. right? Submit that through a screenshot to the bank, to the exchange, and within an hour, they solved my problem. Mm. What's fantastic about this new development is that the publicity of a blockchain means solutions are not just centralized with the banks. So a lot of headaches that you might have and stress with your banking can be solved. So this is one of the key reasons a lot of people are coming into this space yeah. now. They want to be part of this revolution. They mm -hmm. want to be unbanked in a critical way and they want to have more financial control. Exactly. And a lot of people are asking us, so what is the price of Bitcoin going to be 
Why is it a good investment? I mean, of course, we're not forecasters, but a lot of people are saying that Bitcoin by the end of this year is going to be around $150,000, which is not unlikely. It is very possible, which means around three times the value it has today. And that is because of the supply and demand. And Ethereum, which is underpinning a lot of the DeFi platforms, I read a study, if Ethereum would actually replace 1% of the lending that happens in the world today, the financial lending, the price of it with today's rates should correspond to an Ethereum price of around $40,000, yeah. which is a 10 times increase versus what it is today. And that does not consider inflation. That doesn't yeah, consider yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the increase in inflation, etc. We need to do a deep dive into Ethereum for, you know, for, for you guys, because um, Ethereum is a wonderful platform for earning money in crypto. And this, you know, this episode, we just wanted to talk about Bitcoin, introduce you to the main, the big dog. Bitcoin is like, is the king of, of crypto. Ethereum, you know, and the DeFi space, there are so many opportunities to make money without just having to buy low and sell high. You know, there are other strategies. Mm-hmm. And, th- and this is precisely what we want to talk about to help you guys understand how, you know, you can put your money to work quite effectively through DeFi pro- protocols and earn fixed income, earn different types of, well, profit on different types of strategies that don't necessarily require you to have to trade like, you know, like sophisticated traders, effectively giving you that financial freedom over time. Ethereum is like the the beautiful princess in Super Mario. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that, that that concludes our discussion. You know, a lot of key points here on why we're seeing Bitcoin grow. I hope you guys loved that episode. Please subscribe and check out our next episode. We'll be talking about a lot of other very interesting content. And yeah, give us a follow on the Crypto Shakes. On the social media pages, Crypto Shakes underscore. We're going to talk about how you can make money using different types of platforms with your crypto. So stay tuned. It's going to be an interesting ride moving forward. See you guys. See you guys. Thank you so much. To all you crypto shakers, thank you for listening to our episode. It honestly means the world to us. If you enjoyed or learned anything new in this session, please show us some love and give us a good rating and help us to grow by following us on Twitter or Instagram at CryptoShakes underline podcast. And do feel free to shoot us a message or DM if you have any suggestions or feedback for future episodes so that we can continue to create better content and episodes for you guys in the future. You can find our podcast on CryptoShakes.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else where you get your podcasts.